All right, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Uh, we got down uh, kind of talking about verse 17. I want to pick up there, catch a few things, and then move in, into 18 uh, if we can. And then next week we'll be in verse 18. And then the following week maybe we can move into verse 19. <laughs> okay. Uh, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And again, last time we were talking about that issue of the wisdom of words and we saw the issues of religion and how all that works. And no verse ever says that, like the issue of water baptism here, is an outward expression of an inward uh, faith or an inward trans, uh, uh, transformation or none of that. No, there's not a verse that says that the purpose of water baptism is for you, to ha for you to use it as an outward expression of an inward faith. That is wisdom of words, okay? There's, there's no verse that says that. There's no verse, honestly, that says pray the sinner's prayer. See, that's just a concoction of, uh, of religion using wisdom of words to dumb down, to sugarcoat, to mess with the, uh, with the, um, with the gospel. Now, verse 18. Now, we're going to bounce between 17 and 18 over the next couple weeks, okay? Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. And as we begin to look here at this verse we see language that is very unique to Paul. And that's the language there for the preaching of the cross. And that language, and it's critical to grasp here when he talks here about the preaching of the cross. Because what's going to happen is, is most of Christianity today thinks that Everybody is preaching the cross, okay? They think that every, they assume, and you know what happens when you assume stuff, okay? They assume that the cross is being preached and the gospel of Paul given to Paul today is being preached by the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, by Peter in early Acts. Therefore, they make the church start where? In early Acts. And all of this stuff, and, and literally what all of that does is it is wisdom of words. That's all that that is, because the preaching of the cross, that phrase, that is a Pauline, that's a Paulism. It belong, it's Pauline terminology. And, when, and, and again, when you look at Christ, which we are, we're going to look at the four guys, Christ, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, and, and Christ, okay? When you look at these guys, the question you have to have in your mind is, it, it's about really the audience. How much does the audience understand? How much do they know? How much are they getting any of it, see? So when, we talk, when we're talking about the cross, and when Paul talks about the preaching of the cross, he is not talking about the wooden piece of wood and the cross on the hill that hung. He's not even talking about the event as far as it taking place and so forth. Rather, he's talking about the, the deep achievements of the cross. 
the deep accomplishments, the rich accomplishments of the cross. He's talking about the violence of it, the ugliness of it, the offensiveness of it. He's not talking about, you know, uh, he grew the tree that one day would, he would hang on, which is what Christian. So he's not talking about the wooden pieces, and he's not talking about it. He's talking about that crowning achievement and really what really occurred there at the cross. What does the cross work of Christ mean? The Lord in his earthly ministry never preaches that. Acts 2, Peter never preaches that. By the way, Apollos, according to Acts 18, didn't even know the cross happened. Only Peter. So the wisdom of words here is the issue of, uh, again, in the church today, Christianity at large, is is to take the rich accomplishments, to take the deep achievements, and to make them, the end of verse 17 there, of none effect. And they do that by diluting the message of the cross. They do not maintain the integrity. They do not maintain the ugliness, the violence, the offensiveness. They water it down. They sugarcoat it. They come in and they, they say, oh, you've got to do your part. Yeah, believe that he died, but then you've got to come. I, 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 there's a song that, anyway, there's a part of a song the guy wrote, and I have it written down in the front of my Bible. He says, Jesus paid a part, and a part, and I a part you know. Sin hath left the crimson stain. We washed it white as snow, if you know that song. See, but that's what religion does. Religion says you've got to walk the aisle, okay? You've got to have that outward expression of that inward. And again, it just literally washes it. It renders the message of the cross of none effect, no impact. So Paul, when Paul begins to talk about the, the preaching of the cross here, it is unique. Come over to Galatians 5. It is unique to the Apostle Paul. And it really is a gross error on behalf of the church at large, most of Christianity, most of the believers. By the way, you know where this error lies? It lies at the feet of the believer. Because who do you give account of? Yourself, say. So when the believers that sit in modern-day situations... When they begin to see this or they don't see it or they're not paying attention, you know they're not being taught it, okay? But if you just read, you begin to notice things and you go, wow, something's not up here, okay? And that's a tremendous thing. Again, it's a gross error to assume that in the Gospels they are looking forward to the cross. It's a gross error to assume that in early Acts, Peter, that the cross is being viewed as a as a good news thing, when it's not. And again, we'll see that Paul never says that the cross was a good thing. We'll see that here in just a minute. Again, everyone assumes that that's what's happening all the time. And yet, in reality, it's not. The Apostle Paul is the owner, only writer. He's the only one that talks about the cross of Christ being good news and a good thing. It's only Paul, pre- preach, the preaching of the cross. It's, 
only Paul, as he preaches the cross, as you and I preach the cross, and all of its accomplishments, and that's really, by the way, that's next week, okay? All of its accomplishments, that issue of justification unto eternal life, the issue of sanctification, our sanctification, the issue of our glorification, all those three, that's, nobody ever preaches that at all. No one before Paul, no one after Paul, by the way. And again, if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to get the message of the cross all messed up, all mixed up, and you're going to make the deep, rich accomplishments, achievements of none effect for it. Now, look at Galatians 5. Just notice Paul here. Again, this is verse 11. This is unique to Paul. He says, and I, brethren, again, we're just jumping in. I just want to catch the verses. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Isn't that interesting? What is, the, what is so offensive of the cross? It isn't that it's a dead Jew hanging on a tree. See, that's the cop-out that they teach the people how to, well, you guys are, you know, all the... No, what's offensive to the cross? What's the off? It said, what does the cross say? You can't do anything. I have done it all for you and on your behalf. You see, Paul brings in this issue here. And again, it's everything of, of the message given, the revelation given to Paul centers in and around the cross. The, of, the cross is offensive. And the offense is, is to man. Because it exposes that no human effort, no human work, no human anything ever met the requirement completely and fully. To teach otherwise is the use of wisdom of words. And it allows those to get around the offensive nature. Because what is it? Yeah, I believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. But you need to come down here and make a public profession. You, why aren't you at church on Sunday night and Wednesday night now? What, what's going on? we got to see all this. you know, And <laughs> all of that is just ginned up to have dominion over your faith, ultimately. And here again, Paul, you, come over to chapter 6. We Again, folks, we need to maintain its offensiveness. You know what grace says? God's grace, what you ought to be saying to one another when you come into here and you think about this, God's grace says, I know you, and you're nothing but a dirty, rotten rascal. I know you, but yet I loved you in that condition. Therefore, you're good to go. See, The law says guilty, 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 and there's no answer. Because as soon as you do what the law says, now what I got to do? I got to do it again and again and again. God's grace, come, the grace, the, the gospel of the grace of God, what we're talking about, the preaching of the cross comes in and says, I know you. I know who you are. I'm not delusioned by you. In other words, not enough fancy suits, you know, or... Uh, Flip-flops in the sand. Jimmy Buffett just passed away. Okay. I played a little Margarita, Margaritaville. Okay. I kind of like the guy. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Some of it. Not all of it. You know, you can, anyway, too much of a good thing gets to be a bad thing. 
you know, I'll play a little Zach Brown with him, you know, and all that. You can do whatever, and yet what is God's, God says, no, I loved you, but God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for when, Okay, you see, so God's grace comes in. The cross, we need to maintain that offensiveness, that there is nothing we could do. And again, the cross will always declare man to be subpar. For man to, all of man's activity is of no profit to God. And we do need a Savior. We can't satisfy God's offended justice on our own effort. And the cross, I, I, the cross stands as a testimony to humanity that man can't do anything. Christ has done it all. And that's, the, that's what's offensive. Galatians 6, look at verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution, watch, for the cross of Christ. They compel you to be circumcised so that they can do what? Glory in your flesh. That's wisdom of words. For neither they themselves who are circumcised, notice, keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. That's religion. It just, it doesn't, that's however you need to, Figure, look, think about it. That's it. What are we doing? Oh, there he goes again. He's going down the aisle again. He's a backslider. Nail him, Lord. Get him. You know, you know, you you know that. Come on. If I can, if I said it in those days, I know you said it. Oh, there he is. He's just going down there for that girl. I know he is. And she's just going down for the boy. I know he. You know. I went to a Baptist high school. And we used to sit in the first chapel of every year, big, you know, everybody's there, all, all 12 grades and so forth. And we used to sit in the back because we were cool. We were the, we were the, you know, we were the cool kids. And we would hit each other. If you go, I'll go. If you go, I'll go. Let's go. Come on. Let's show them how it's done, you know. You get down, you know, I'm like, I'm not going down there. Come on, Rick. Come on. You go, I'll go. You know, I'm like, I'm, you go, I go. He gets up and leaves. I sit, you know, just pfft, hung him out to dry, you know. Because it's what it's even the kids going to the school knew it's a game. See, okay, that's the point here. It's a fair show in the flesh. But now look at verse fourteen. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Where's Paul's glory? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of the ramifications associated with the event of the, the meaning, that deep, rich meaning. Paul says, I glory in that. I glory in the ugliness of it. I glory in the violence, the offensiveness. I glory in all of it. Why? Because the crosswork is the center of all that God is forming and doing and working ultimately. And again, our we have to I hope you remember or think about it. Your your life, your eternal life began in a graveyard. 
Your, life, your identity in Christ began on the cross. Your spiritual life begins in the cemetery. Amen. The ladies go up to see the grave. The angels look at him and say, look at them and say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? What are you doing here? See, if they had believed the resurrection or understood all that stuff back there, they would have never gone to the cemetery. You know why? Because they knew he wouldn't be there. John 19 is very clear. They didn't understand it. So where were they? John 20, down there at the cemetery, looking for him. Who's going to roll away? the? See, Paul says, man, I glory in that. That's, what, that's where our glory is because that's our issue. Come, on, come back to chapter 2 of Galatians. I just tried to stay in one book, okay? I'm, doing my, I'm, doing, I'm working on that, all right? It ain't going to happen here in about two minutes, so, okay? Look at Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why does Paul, what is Paul glorying in when he says, I glory in the cross of God? He's glorying in the full achievement of it. He's glorying in the fact that we are crucified with him. He, do, he does The revelation given to Paul concerning the meaning, the deep achievements, the full picture of Calvary says, reveals that he didn't die alone. But when you go back into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you read the account, what is he? He is alone in those accounts. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. First thing he says from the cross. About 20 minutes later, and that's just my number, okay? It's not, there's no verse. I got a lot of that this week. Where's that verse? You know, calm down. He says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's alone, see. Paul says, you know what was given to me? I was with him on the cross. And the only way to know that I'm crucified with him is through the revelation given to Paul. And again, that's why we need to maintain all of the full achievements, all of the full accomplishments of the cross. Why? Because to say anything different is to just simply be in the realm of wisdom of words. And that makes this the fullness of Calvary of none effect. It does not have the impact that it's designed to have the impact. If you're justified unto eternal life, so you trust Christ completely you don't do any of the of the wisdom of words stuff and then but then later you add wisdom of words what did you just do to your sanctification to your identity you just dumped cold water all over it see you just messed it you just watered it down see now i'm gonna okay all right i gotta meet with the preacher next week and confess all my sins no I mean, we can meet and i'll giggle and you'll hit mad and we'll be okay all right but see the thing is is that's what's happening here. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 1, when he says the preaching of, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We'll look at all of that next time. The preaching of the cross is unique to Paul. It isn't unique to anyone else. In the, so verse 12, 1 Corinthians 1, 12. You, you guys follow what Paul's doing here, Okay. 
1 Corinthians 1.12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. So we're going to look at this order backwards, if you will. Actually, we're going to look, look at Apollos. Look over at Acts 18. Because I want to look at the issue of, of the preaching of the cross, Acts 18, with each of these guys. Okay, look at Acts 18. Just get Apollos out of the way. We'll do Paul next time. Acts 18. Actually, we did a little Paul now. Where's the glory? Where should you and I glory? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because why? I was with him. Romans 6, his code, death, burial, and resurrection, that identity given to me. It's mine. Why? Because I, was, I wasn't on his mind. I was there with him. Say, we have that song, I was on his mind. No, 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 no. You were there spiritually. Again, it's the gospel is unto all and what? Upon all them that believe. When you believed, what did he do? He took you spiritually and he hung you on that cross with Christ. That's Romans 6. See? He takes you spiritually and he hangs you there. Why? Because in those three hours of darkness where he's, he's made a worm, I'm a worm and not a man, and he's contending with the adversary, and he's paying your second death, the lake of fire. He's experienced it in his soul, deep down in his soul, the, the, the experience of not just dying, but the second death. See, And when he does that, Paul's gospel, Paul's message says, you see that? You were right there with him when he went. He did that for you. And there's that identity connection, okay? That's critical. By the way, most, are, most of modern Christianity has no clue of any of that. Why? They've watered it down so bad that they've hidden. Boy, that's a wonderful truth. <laughs> you grasp that. It, it, I, I'm excited. You know, it's everything I can to stand right here, you know. Because, why? Because it is so deep. It's so rich to know that, hey, I, was on his, I wasn't on his mind. I was hanging there with him spiritually. He took care of it. Paulus, Acts 18. You found it now? I need to get there. Acts 18. You start there in verse 24. You got a certain Jew named Apollos. Look at verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he doesn't know that there's been a cross activity. He only knows what? John's baptism. Aquila and Priscilla, verse 26, they, the end of the verse, and expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. Okay? Now what does Apollos know? Verse 28. For he might have convinced the Jews that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus, notice, was Christ. Apollos now is on board. And again, when we look, you know, go back to 1 Corinthians. Actually, come on over to Matthew 16. Let's talk about the Lord. So as, again, Apollos, he, in his early days of preaching and teaching, he only knew what? Water baptism, John's baptism. By the way, in Acts 19, there's a group of people who only know John's baptism. They don't even know that the Holy Ghost fell. They don't even know Acts 2 happened. And Paul's got to get them, brought them, brings them up. So you can't just instantly go, oh, they all knew. No, they didn't all know. Again, your audience what do they know? What do they understand? That's what we're going to look at here. Matthew 16. So as, and again, we're going to look at the Lord. We're going to look at Christ. We're going to look at Cephas, i.e. Peter. 
And we, again, I just want you to see what the people knew and understood and what they were being taught about the death, burial, and resurrection, and actually what they didn't know and what they didn't understand about it, okay? Matthew 16, look, if you will, at verse 21. From that time forth, what's that next word? You see that? Began. Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Prior to Matthew 16, Mark 8, Luke 9, the Lord never talked about going to Jerusalem to die, be buried, and rise again the third day. That's about a year and a half worth of work he's already been doing, and he's never mentioned anything about going to Jerusalem to die, to be buried, and to rise again the third day. He starts right there. He began right there. He doesn't do it prior. He doesn't even allude to it. And again, the reason that is because it's not time yet. His hour isn't there. Now, it's, now his hour's coming, so he's got to get them ready. Verse 22, notice the people's response. Who's his audience? The disciples, the apostles. Notice the response, verse 22. Then Peter took him and said, praise the Lord, hallelujah, what wonderful news this is. No, it doesn't say that at all, does it? What does it say? He began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Notice Peter's response. Nothing here about the Lord dying for your sins or my sins or even the world's sins. Wait till we talk about the most abused verse in two weeks. Got to keep you coming back when it comes to wisdom of words. All right? What does Peter know? Peter was, Matthew 16, Peter's just given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Back up there in verse 19, 17, 18, 19. What does Peter know about the cross? He absolutely knows nothing about it. See that? He knows, he doesn't, he doesn't even understand what the Lord's talking about. He just knows, he heard that word, dead word, and he's, not so, Lord, I'm defending you to the death. You know, down in the garden, he pulls that sword out, takes Malchus's heads off, and Malchus ducks, gets his ear. The Lord picks the ear up, says, Pete, put the sword away. And Peter just falls apart. Why? Because the Lord gave up. And in Pete's mind, you don't give up. What does Peter know about? He knows absolutely nothing here, does he? You see, there's no way that the Lord Jesus Christ is preaching the same thing as Paul. It's not here. What, again, what's Paul preaching? That full ramification, the full meaning, the full depth of the cross. No way. Come on, come over to Luke. Look at Luke 9. Luke 9. Luke 9. Luke 9. One more time. Luke 9. Verse 44. Here's our Matthew passage. Luke 9, 44. Let these sayings seek down into your ears. Look at what the Lord's saying here. Okay, guys, I've got a message for you. Let this stuff sink down into your ears for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. Isn't that interesting? 
What does the wisdom of words say? We're all saying the same thing. The Lord doesn't say that. Luke, the writer, doesn't say it. The Holy Ghost doesn't. Spirit doesn't say it as he's writing the passage. They understood not the saying. By the way, it was hid from them. How, what does Paul tell us? His message, his, the mystery was where? Hid in who? In God. God the Father. Here's God the Son, and he's, he's given them, hey, I got to go die, be buried, right? And they understood, they didn't understand any of it. They had no clue. They're, you know, and because it was hid. Come over to Luke 18. By the way, three times the Lord tells the apostles and the disciples, really, Luke 18, that I'm going to go and die, be buried, and rise again. And at each turn, they don't get it. And at the end, Peter rebukes him and, say, and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. And that saying is in a, so, and connected in that verse that, Peter, you're loving the things of men, i.e. Satan, more than the things of God. It isn't that he's pronouncing Satan, uh, Peter as, you're now Satan. He's like, you're loving the things of Satan and the things of man more than you're understanding and loving the word of God. Because here I stand as the word telling you, I've got to go to Jerusalem and accomplish some things here. Luke 18, 31. Then, here's our Matthew 16. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them. So now, very specific, isn't it? The twelve. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of man shall be accomplished. That's Isaiah 53, Psalm 16, Psalms 22, Psalm 69, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52. It's just full of it back there. He says, it's time for me, guys, to go and fulfill the what? The revelation of the mystery, that Christ died for all the sins. No. Fulfill the who? The prophet, what's Christ doing? He's reaching back into the Old Testament prophetic program and pulling some verses forward in time. The prophets back there never looked forward to Calvary. The only one looking forward to Calvary is God the Father, Romans 3.25 says. And the only way we know that is because we've got Romans 3.25. If you didn't have Romans 3.25, i.e. Paul, you wouldn't know that back there when God the Father is forgiving and forbearing the sin of his nation, of his people, because he knew what was coming. The cross work of his son was coming. You would never understand how he could forgive a guy like David for committing adultery and then murder. How did he do that? Romans 4, blessed is the man in whom the Lord will not impute sin. David said it. How, how would you know that? Well, you need what? Romans 3.25. The deeper meaning. Here's that deep down. By the way, uh, he goes on there, verse 32, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit it on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. By the way, every time the Lord says this, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise again. Never leave the resurrection out of the gospel. Because he was raised for our justification. If he isn't risen... Romans 4.25 there. If he isn't risen, you're not justified. He's got to be the living God. See? Verse 34, 
and they understood everything he said. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's get on with it. No, they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. You see, they didn't get it. They don't understand any of it. Now, come over to Luke 24. Luke 24. You see, folks, the message of the cross that Paul preaches, the preaching of the cross was never preached this way. How is the Lord preaching the cross? He's just telling them the event is coming. Why? Because the prophet said it was. And they're like, well, okay, what does it mean? No, they didn't even say that. They're like, no, no, what, what is he talking? Hey, you ask him. I ain't asking him. The last time I asked him, he, he, you know, right? You ask. You know, they don't even, they're afraid to talk to him about it. Now look at Luke 24. This is after the resurrection. Verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. See how the Lord reaches back into the Old Testament and brings things forward? He doesn't reach forward to Paul and bring it backwards. He reaches backwards, pulls it forward. By the way, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. That's a fantastic... And then in verse 46, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at... Isn't that interesting? Now we got the many. Get the many right, and then we'll go get the all. What does Paul say? Man, this is messages for... He would have all men to be saved. I'm an all man. I'm a multi national, international message, Romans 16, 26. It's for all the nations out there for obedience of faith. The Lord says, no, what you're going to do is you're going to go over here and you're going to, I'm opening your understanding, and you're going to start in Jerusalem, Acts 1 is where he picks it up, and then you're going to go to Judea, then you're going to go to Samaria, then you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. They didn't even get out of Jerusalem before Paul, he inter, intervenes and, and brings in Paul. Come over to John 20. John 20, and look at verse 9. This is the verse I was talking about just a minute ago. It is very clear that prior to Luke 24, 45, where he opens their understanding, that the gospel of the cross, the grace of God, the preaching of the cross was not anything near what Paul preached. Rather, it was preached in the vein of it's a prophetic event that I have to go as Messiah and accomplish. John 20, verse 9, For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. That's, that's them up, check, that's resurrection morning. <laughs> and what are they doing? They don't, there's no understanding. So again, you think about the Old Testament. Come back to Isaiah 53. Oh, yeah. Isaiah 53. 
Just do, do this one little Old Testament here quickly. Isaiah 53. The Old Test, by the way, the Old Testament does teach about the event of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of Messiah. However, its scope of information is limited to who? Israel. And her Messiah. It's not to the Gentile population out there. It's going to go, it eventually will get to the Gentiles, but who's it coming through? Through Israel. Isaiah 53, these verses you know well, verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, so there's the cross, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Notice, see, he shall see his seed. Who's that? That's Israel. Verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. There's Psalms 22. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he, bear, he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made transgression, I'm sorry, made intercession for the transgressors. Who's the many there? Well, it's Israel. If you go back up to verse... Uh, Oh, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. We All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who is that? It's Israel. That's his people. He was Verse 7 there, he was brought as as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. He opened not his mouth. He, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people. was he. Who's, my, who's Isaiah's people? Israel. So when you go into the Old Testament, by the way, none of thing in that passage for you and I as Gentiles. In here in the moment. Now, Paul's revelation, what can we do? We can look back and say, okay, we were crucified with him. But Isaiah doesn't say that. The Lord Jesus Christ, in referencing it, you go to Psalms 20, no, no, doesn't say it at all. When Paul, pre, when Paul, for us Gentiles, we are not in Isaiah 53. But to write us in there, which is what modern-day Christianity does, is to have to use what? Wisdom of words. So what do they, come on over to Acts 8. I'm sorry, Acts 1. So what do they do? Well, you and I are spiritual Israel. We're replacement Israel. So now you got the covenant theology stuff. You got the reform theology going. You got all, and the next thing you know, your head's swimming because you can't, you can't figure it out. You can't remember which, which category, which, which column am I in today? Because we're trying to do something that was never there to begin with. Okay? When, Pete, when Paul's preaching about nothing involved with the Old Testament activity, 
Actually, it's completely opposite. Because what does he say? He's the mediator. Uh, the will of God would have all men be saved. And our mediator today is who? The man, Christ Jesus, not the nation of Israel. So when you come to Peter, we've got 15 minutes to do Peter. We can get her done, okay? When you come to Peter in the early Acts, Acts 2, well, you need Acts 1, all right? What does the church at large say today? Wisdom of words. The church, the body of Christ, began in Acts chapter 2. Don't you know? And Peter and Paul have been really just preaching the same thing. But yet, according to Galatians 2, Acts 15, those events, what does Paul say? Peter's got the gospel of who? The circumcision, believing remnant, little flock. Why? Well, in a minute, in Acts 7, he's going to declare them uncircumcised. He's going to declare the nation heathen, cut off, and he's going to come over here and deal with the little flock, the believers. Paul's got the gospel of the uncircumcision. And very fascinating. Look, look at Acts 1. So Peter isn't even going to say the same thing as Paul. Actually, Peter's doing something that you have to see here in Acts because it involves, well, Acts 1, look at verse 3. To whom also he, and that will be the Lord Jesus Christ, showed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking to of them things pertaining to the preaching of the cross. No, the kingdom of God. He's got forty days with them. He never expounds upon his death, burial, and resurrection being an issue of justification unto eternal life, your sanctification, your identity, your walk, and then the glory out there in the future. He never says a word about that to these guys. Why? Because all of that stuff for them is wrapped up where? In the kingdom. Okay? Verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 6. What do they ask? Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to who? You're not there, folks. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now watch. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye seen him go into heaven. What in the world is going on there? He's just spent 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God and the fact that he's got to go get it, the nobleman story in the, in the God. He's going to go get it and then one day do what? Return with it. What? He, nothing about glorying in the preaching of the cross, nothing about crucifixion, nothing about the deep meaning, the rich meaning of the crucifixion. It's all about the cross. I'm sorry, it's all about the kingdom and about his return with the kingdom. Meanwhile, occupy. You got a job, occupation. When the Lord says that in, in, in back in the, in the Gospels, when he says to those guys, you, you go occupy the, in the parable there, he's not talking about occupy, taking up space. He's talking about occupation. Little flock, you got a job to do. Peter, you guys got a work to do. You got a job to do. You got to go out there and get this little flock built, built up because, man, when I come back, it's done deal. We're, we're going to cook some goose. Okay, chapter 2, what do we have? Day of Pentecost, right? Holy Spirit comes, speaking in tongues. They think they're drunk. 
Peter stands up, verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Who's he talking to? Israel. There's not a Gentile that is, there's, he's not talking to Gentiles. By the way, you know that by Acts 10. Acts 10, 45 is clear that there is no Gentiles here at all. <laughs> involved in any shape, way, or form. Because in Acts 10, when he does go talk to Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit falls on them prior to being water baptized, and they're speaking, the, those of the circumcision, that verse says, were astounded, astonished. If there was a Gentile in Acts 2, what do you think the guys would be? Astonished. It's not here. See that? He's not going to be talking. He's Israel only. He's talking to Israel. Verse 23, here it comes. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye who Israel have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding. By the way, you will notice that Peter, when he preaches and talks about the cross, the resurrection is always in the sentence. 223. Now, Peter is preaching something about the crucifixion. Okay? Peter is laying out some, something that has happened at the cross. And what he's laying out is, is that it was Israel that killed the Lord, Jesus Christ. You remember. <laughs> what did they say? His blood be upon our hands and our children's. Look over at Acts 3. Acts 3. You see, Peter, he's a Jewish apostle talking to the Jewish nation, no Gentiles, and yet what? You killed him. Acts 3.13. Peter is in trouble. He's healed the, healed the guy outside the, the, the temple there, did it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, heals him. Peter gets called on the carpet, verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. That's why the Barabbas scene is so critical to grasp. And killed the prince Verse 15, of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. What in the world is Peter doing here? By the way, nothing about dying for your sins, nothing for dying for the sins of the world. What is Peter doing here? He, Peter, Peter is preaching the impact, something here about the crucifixion as it is now going to be laid at Israel's feet, a legal document a legal indictment against Israel. God, the Holy Spirit, writing the book, is producing a legal indictment to Israel for the wicked crucifixion of the Messiah. They are guilty, and they can't get out of it. The only way to get away from it and out of it is to join who? The little flock, the believing remnant, to do what Acts 2.38 told them to do. That's the only way, and they're not going to do it. See, 
You see, Peter is not giving good news happened, guys, the other day, a year ago. <laughs> he's not doing that at all. Actually, here, not quite a year, about six months ago. He's not even, he's not talking about any, he's saying, you crucified him. Chapter 4, look at verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Who killed Christ? Israel did. His blood is on your hands. You asked for it, you got it, Toyota. <laughs> you got it. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to honor your request. And he's going to hold you accountable for the crucifying of the Messiah. Israel is, is the charged party here by P Peter. By the way, no good news here for the Gentiles. Sorry, you're left out. By the way, you know that because of Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 12. At this time in Acts, what was God's view of the world? Ephesians 2.12, without hope, without God, without Christ, aliens. You're just out of luck. Oh, but Peter's preaching the same message as Paul. No, he's not. There's no way under God's blue heaven that he is. Now, you're going to get there, come over to Acts 5, by what? Wisdom of words. Acts 5, verse 30. The God of our, this is Peter. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and, and to a savior for to give repentance to who? Israel and forgiveness of sins. Who's the forgiveness of sins and repentance belong to? Not you. Sorry, Charlie, you're out. But who? Israel. You see, Peter preaching the cross, yes, but not as good news, but rather an indictment against Israel and an indictment against Israel and who Israel had killed. You go over there to chapter 7 of Acts with Stephen. Verse 51, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, and your fathers do, did, so do ye. Man, he just claimed Genesis 17 on him. He dumped it on it. You're, you are uncircum. You are cut off. You are heathen. Well, we got Father Abraham as our father. It doesn't matter. Spiritually, you are the sons of Adam, and you're guilty. But watch verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one? of whom ye have been now the betrayers and, what? Murderers. Peter, Stephen. No good news here. Now, come over to Romans 8, just real quick. I got down into that quicker than I... Look at Romans 8. What's the Lord saying in his earthly ministry? Hey, guys, I've got to go. They didn't understand a word of it. They didn't even ask questions. The audience was ig ignorance, ignorant. No good news for the Gentile of salvation unto eternal life, or, hey, my salvation is now going to the Gentile. None of that. Peter, 
no good news for Israel. You're indicted. You're guilty. Notice Paul. It's only Paul. By the way, Paul doesn't say the Roman government killed him. Look at Romans 8. We'll pick up here next time a little bit here. Romans 8. Look at verse 30. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He. Who's the he? God the Father. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who does Paul say killed the son? God the Father did. Peter says what? Israel, you did. Paul says, yeah, but God the Father. He died because of the wisdom of God the Father. He died because of the wisdom of God. His, the Father's plan all along. Man, just, I told you when we were studying Romans 16, we're talking about Satan and God, the wisdom of God there. And the wisdom of God, he just sat back and let Satan and man do all the dirty work. He just kept a secret. See? He let Satan do, he let Satan run, he let it. Why? Because what did he need to have, what needed to be accomplished? The crucifixion. You see, what did Peter say? Israel, you did it. What did Paul say? Yeah, they did do it, but it was really according to the wisdom of God. And then you can really bring it in in 1 Corinthians 2 to the hidden wisdom of God. Okay? So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 1, only Paul is the first to reveal what the deep meaning of the the full accomplishment of the cross work, and we'll see Paul next time, and we'll run through some Paul stuff, okay? But don't miss what's going on here. Paul's going to, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's what? It's the power of God. And that's where Paul's going to, how Paul's going to preach the cross. The Lord doesn't do it. And the Lord's, it, it, there's, there's limited Knowledge, if any knowledge. There's ignorance. Peter comes in, early acts, and and it's a written indictment against the nation of Israel. By the way, Luke writes that written indictment. They blew it under the little flock's ministry for that year. And guess what they're going to do now? They're going to go blow it under Paul's ministry, the interruption. So they had a renewed opportunity, if you will. Actually, it's really a continuing opportunity. The renewed opportunity is under Paul, and they blow it. And the nation is guilty. So in Acts 7, when Stephen pronounces them uncircumcised, they have killed the father, i.e. through killing John the Baptist. They killed the son, and now they're killing off the Holy Ghost, i.e. through Stephen, the stoning. of. And you know what? There's no hope for the nation of Israel. They are toast. And the only hope is in that little flock believing remnant. That's why he says, I'm going to take the nation of the kingdom from you guys, apostate, and I'm going to give it to a nation, bringing forth the fruits of, of repentance. Okay? They're not the same message. How do we get them in to be the same message? We've got to use wisdom of words. We've got to use good words and 
fair speech you. And they do it. And they're doing it at Corinth. And that's why Paul, now he's starting verse 19 down, he's going to get into this thing about you guys love the wisdom of man, the wisdom of this world, more than you love my wisdom, God's wisdom. And you're in trouble. That's why the carnality. That's why the trouble at Corinth. Okay? All right, so we're done with the four guys. Well, we got one more, Paul. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the, the study of it, the look into it, the ability to think through it, the reason with it, and to come to the conclusions that we can come to with some assurity of it. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and, and the honor and everything. In your name we pray. Amen.